Welcome to the New Hope Church podcast, where reverence meets relevance. We are currently in a six-part series titled Finding Favor. Here is this week's message from our pastor, Dr. Benji Kelly. Good morning, New Hope Church. I am excited that you are with us today. Welcome any favor finders in the house today. I hope you've been enjoying this series, and I just want to give a warm shout out to our campuses. Garner Campus, welcome guys. Always glad you're part of us. The NCCIW, the Ladies of the King. Also want to let you know, church, that this week we are going into a men's prison, Polk Prison, and shooting or showing, I should say, a message for the very first time. So pray for those guys. It's not a campus yet, um, but we did get the door open to go in and show a message. So pray for those guys there. Also want to give a warm shout out to the coffee house upstairs and all those watching this in front of their television or their computer screen. Hey, I'm glad you are here. It has been a crazy, exciting week for me right up to today. Let me go ahead and tell you about it. Uh, I've been out in Oklahoma City with the one and only Craig Stinkin' Crochel. He is like the Billy Graham of my generation. He is the pace setter for multi-site church. He pastors a, a little church called Life Church, and they've got like 25 campuses and 25,000 people. And uh, I've just been so blessed this week to be with him, was in his house with he and his wife, Amy, and their six children. I also took Pastor Derek and Pastor Chad with me, our campus pastors, so that while I was with Craig, uh, they were able to meet with the campus pastors of Life Church. So we just had a phenomenal week. And uh, this morning where I am is I am over in Samford. Many of you have heard us mention the possibility of a Samford campus. Well, guys, it is on. Let me tell you, it is on like Donkey Kong. Uh, the board of that church about four months ago, uh, they were actually coming over and visiting us here at Central Campus. They actually visited Garner Campus a few times. Uh, then they had me out there to meet with the board. And after I met with them, they voted and they voted unanimously to um, allow New Hope Church to take over their church and make it a campus. Then uh, the congregation voted about two months ago. And the entire congregation, I think it was only about 40 people, but all of them voted to become a New Hope multi-site campus uh, with the exception of three people. So, you know, 37 or so out of 40 voted yes. So they are fired up and ready to go. And I am there uh, preaching this morning. I'm actually preaching the very same message I preached at Garner uh, when I went to that congregation uh, I guess about a year and a half ago now. Let me show you a little bit about this campus because I think it's going to excite you. Here's a picture. And this is a picture. This church is right off of US-1. It's an incredible building. The facilities are awesome and well taken care of. Here's the front of the building. Let me take you around back. Here's a picture of the building around back. Beautiful asphalt parking lot. Looks like it's freshly painted, as you can tell. That's the back of the building facing out toward US-1. Let me take you inside. Glory, hallelujah. Here's one of those fellowship halls that you often hear me talk about. Um, fellowship halls, and lo and behold, they have the metal chairs straight from the pits of you-know-where. Uh, that, that's a great place to have a spaghetti dinner or a potluck dinner or play a little bingo. Um, but we'll do all kinds of other stuff with it, if you know what I mean. Uh, here's the kitchen where they would cook some of that spaghetti. It's got a nice kitchen. 
Let me take you into the children's ministry space. Man, my wife loves this. Look at the children's ministry rooms. Again, well done. Not, they don't really have the fingerprints of New Hope on them yet, but they will. But you can see they're in really, really good shape. Here's some of the adult classes. Big, spacious classrooms. Some of those glorious chairs again. Let me take you into the worship center, or what we call the worship center, but it's their sanctuary. Very traditional feeling, as you can tell. Um, pews and chandeliers and all that kind of stuff. But can you put on your thinking cap and, and get a vision of a big screen dropping down and a stage being built and great speakers and, 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 and maybe some chairs in there? I mean, you just never know, but I can see us packing into that building um, on a Sunday morning uh, anywhere between 250 to 300 people per service. So you add that up, we go to three services there. If God so anoints this multi-site with favor and you're looking at another campus church, that could run anywhere from seven to 800 people out of it. Very, very exciting. And I want you to ask you to pray for me as I am there this morning preaching with them. And then when it's over, we'll have a little Q&A with the congregation and uh, I will be right back in the house next Sunday to finish up our series on finding favor. I'll wrap it all up next Sunday so uh, you don't want to miss it. But for today, while I'm in Sanford, I am excited to be able to introduce to you someone who really doesn't need any introduction. I want to talk to you about Pastor Scott Stevenson. He is our student pastor here at New Hope Church. He leads not only the student ministry here, he leads the student ministry at our different venues, leads those student pastors, and is just doing a phenomenal job. Uh, Scott is just an incredible staff person here, and he's not only a great student pastor, but he's also a great teacher, and I'm so thankful for that because I get him up on the stage um, throughout the year to bring a message. And so today, he is going to be talking to you about Finding Favor, part five. And so it's going to be a great, great day. I want to pray over you. And then when he walks out on this stage, I want you to give it up, give honor where honor is due and welcome him as a pastor of this church. Let me pray over you today. Father God, I want to thank you for New Hope Church. God, I want to thank you for the way you are blessing us with favor like, Lord, I don't think we've ever experienced before. God, just the opportunity to be in Oklahoma this week and learn and grow with our campus pastors. God, just the opportunity to be able to broadcast this message in various venues, including a brand new men's prison this morning. God, just the, just the possibility of you opening up a door in Sanford with this kind of location and eight prime acres right on US-1 and a, and a very, um, very strong building to set up another campus. God, with teachers like Pastor Scott who can step on the stage and, and bring a fresh word. Father, for every single person at all of our campuses, I just want to thank you for each and every one of them today. Would you speak to us? Would you open our minds? Would you fill with our hearts? Father God, would you speak your words of truth, your words of grace, through your servant, Pastor Scott, bless him, bless all those who hear him to the glory and the honor of Jesus. We pray this day and all of God's people said, amen. amen. Give it up for Pastor Scott Stevens. Right on. 
Um, I, I know I speak for all of you when I say that I love my pastor. Amen? Amen. 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 We are a blessed congregation of people. So how are you guys doing? Everyone doing all right? Yes. Um, did you guys see the game last night? There you go. That'll get you going. Right on. Very cool. Um, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to have to like break up any fights or anything like that this morning. Uh, but uh, it's a good game, right? And, and I'll, <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, some of you, I made some good friends just right now. Others of you guys are like, right? You had your chance, right? Well, <laughs> um, I, I grew up in, in California, and so when I moved out here almost two years ago, um, the world of college basketball is like a whole new thing for me. Like, I got out here, and I was like, what, what is this? You know, like, I don't get it. So I, I say that to tell you um, that, that my um, loyalties to a team have not been established yet. And uh, so if you have a team that you're loyal to and you want to throw some tickets my way, um, I have no problem cheering for, for your team. I'll buy a T-shirt with a hat. I'll paint my body. I don't even care. Like, let's... <laughs> He'll hook me up, right? Let, let, let me just say that. I'm just going to put that out there, okay? So, um, yeah, so like Pastor Benji said, my name is Scott Stevenson, and I get the opportunity to hang out with the middle and high school students here at New Hope Church. Do we have any parents of students in the house today? Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. It's okay. I get it, right? Right? No, but uh, can I just say this? I'm going to take the opportunity to, to use my platform and... and uh, if you're a parent of a student who is not involved in our ministry, get them involved. Get them involved. And I'm not even saying that because of what I do up there. Like, you'll see shortly that, like, okay, well, whatever, big deal. You know, but, but, but really, you have to know that the reason that they should be involved is because life change is happening every single week upstairs in our student ministry room. You guys have to know that in the lives of your students in the lives of our students we have some incredible students up there some incredible leaders up there a couple weeks ago i uh, shot one of my leaders that sounds odd just like go ahead and like throw it out there i shot one of my leaders with an airsoft gun and uh, i haven't had any court orders or subpoenas or uh, anything like or even like a restraining order anything like that that's how great of leaders we have up there right like you can shoot them it's all for the students that's what it comes down to right but seriously parents get them involved get them involved so here we are as pastor benji said week five of finding favor and uh how many of you guys here have uh, been here for all five weeks of finding favor nice right on way to go very cool how many of you guys have been here for like two or three cool how many of you guys are here for week one i know that's a while ago week one right I'm going to kind of touch on that a little bit. If you were here in week one, you remember that Pastor Benji actually kind of laid down a favor foundation and kind of encouraged us that we need to be finding that favor. And he used the illustration, if you remember, of the metal detector, correct? You guys remember that, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, can I just tell you this? Like I said, I grew up in California, partly in Southern California, and for three years... Three years it was granted, so it cut me some slack. It was first grade, second grade, and third grade. I grew up going to the beach, and I grew up seeing that guy on the beach with the metal detector. For three years, I totally wanted to be that guy. Like, I wanted it so badly. I would see him like, man, like, that guy's going to strike it rich. That could be me one day. And so for, for, for me, for three years, for Christmas, for birthday, for whatever else in the world that you ever receive anything for, I asked my parents for a metal detector. Like, that's just what I wanted so bad. Um, and so I haven't been able to play with the metal detector. I'm going to go mess with it in a little bit. Um, but um, I've still, I never got the metal detector, unfortunately. So cut me some slack. All right, back up a little bit. Um, 
I didn't rock the Speedo either, if you were here uh, for that one too. Maybe if I would have gotten the metal detector, I might have rocked the Speedo. But the world may never know, and we are thankful because of that, right? But those of you who have been here, you know that this series has been an incredibly powerful one. Lives are being changed. People are actually tapping into the favor of God because of the insight, because of the truth, because of the, quite honestly, the practicality that Pastor Benji, and if you were here last week, Pastor Ryan, laid out for all of us. But still, still some of us have questions. Still, some of us still aren't sure. Some of us still wonder if we're even a candidate for the favor of God. And that's where we're headed this morning. See, there's power in words. Am I right? Would you guys agree with me? There is power in words. I mean, there are words that just evoke feeling. I mean, there are words that just stir something inside of us that can immediately take us to a different place. There are words that just can bring it back such a beautiful memory that we're able to relive. There are also words that have the power to shut us down, to close us off completely. Regret. Regret. Some of you might hear that word and something immediately comes to mind. Regret. And I'm not necessarily talking about the regret that you feel after heading over to Chili's and just like engorging yourself on bottomless chips and salsa. Don't act like I'm the only one, right? Or those 49 cent wings over down the road at Buffalo Wild Wings on Tuesday. Like talk about the favor of God. Hallelujah. That's like half a mile away. I love that place, right? I've been trying, I've been trying to make really, really good friends with the manager. Um, I believe his name's Bill. Bill, if you're watching, uh, this could be the beginning of a very beautiful friendship. Um, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. Like, we can just make it happen, right? Let's just go ahead and put that out there. You know, just, I will scratch his back no matter what. I love Buffalo Wild Wings. Anyone with me? Who has been to Buffalo Wild Wings lately at all? There you go. There you go. Others of you missing out. That's cool. More for me. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Whatever, right? So regret. Regret is such a powerful thing. In all seriousness, some of you in here this morning, you can tell stories, You can tell stories of something that you did, something that you said that had the potential to ruin and demolish a relationship forever. And maybe whatever you did, whatever you said was something that did ruin a relationship for a very long time. Or maybe it was something that you did to betray a friend. Maybe it was something that that, that basically just left you hanging in in, in a very real way that ruined that relationship for quite some time. Maybe it was something that was said in the heat of the moment. Something that you wish you wouldn't have said. It was something you did to just do something. Maybe it was something as a spouse. Something as a parent. Something as a son or a daughter or an employee or a brother or a sister. Who knows what it is? Maybe it's that divorce. Maybe it's that assault. Maybe it's that addiction. Whatever it is, there is regret. Regret. You know, we could sit here all morning, all afternoon, all night, probably until tomorrow or the next few days, and hear story after story of regret. Hear stories about hurt. Hear stories uh, about uh, struggles and issues and disappointments. Stories of regret, of lines being crossed that should have never been crossed. And we just can't go back. And here's the thing. 
when you have whatever that greatest regret is, whatever regret you have that kind of comes to the front of your mind when you hear that word regret, when it comes to that, maybe the person that was affected or the group that was affected, maybe they've told you that they've forgiven you. They've already gotten over it. They've moved past it. But you haven't. You haven't. It's like you still just hang on it. You replay what went wrong and how it went wrong and when it went wrong over and over and over again. If you guys are here for week two of Finding Favor, Pastor Benji actually showed us this diagram. Remember this cross diagram that basically talked about how we find divine favor, the favor of God, when these God-given opportunities intersect with our path of preparation, intersect with our path of confession and repentance of our sins. And some of you guys have done that. Some of us here are still doing that. But there's just something that's not allowing us not allowing you, not allowing me to fully engage in that process of preparation. And therefore, not allowing us to take advantage or possibly even take notice of these God-given opportunities. So here we are. Welcome to Finding Favor Part 5. Favor undenied. As some of you guys sit here this morning... You might replay scenarios in your head and ask yourself the question, oh, what if? What if I had thought that through better? What if I had responded differently? What if? I mean, regret. It is such a powerful thing, a real thing. It's something that can absolutely tear us apart and eat us up and make us miserable. See, it can be that heavy burden, just like holding on to anger, just like refusing to forgive someone can completely just eat us from the inside out. Regret for our own actions can do the exact same thing. It can be that heavy burden, that halting memory that whispers to your soul, ha, favor? Mm -mm -mm. Not for you. Favor? After what you've done? I don't think so. So what do we do when we hear those whispers? What do we do when we just can't seem to move forward? What do we do when what happened in one moment starts to consume our every moment? Because we just can't seem to let go of where we went wrong. What's cool is that the Bible... The word of God, scripture can be incredibly powerful in moments like those. Yet, scripture can also be incredibly unhelpful in times like those, if I can say that. See, when we mess up, when we make a mistake and we find ourselves reading verses about how damaging and unfavorable our sins and mistakes can be, it can almost feel like that last jab of the knife and just a little twist feel like salt in our wound. But then, I mean, then you read on and you find places in scripture in the word of God that promises us, that remind us of the forgiveness that we have through Jesus Christ's death on a cross and his resurrection three days later. It assures us 
of what God has called you to. It assures us of what God has called me to as a follower of Christ. But yet sometimes, sometimes we need something more than just, oh, it's okay. I forgive you. Oh, it's all right. Don't worry about it. I've forgotten about it. Sometimes we need something more than that. In fact, sometimes we just need a picture. We just need a story, a real life story to help us understand, to help us grasp, to help us implement this idea in the best possible way. So that's where we're headed. We're headed to a picture, to a story in scripture that some of us have maybe heard before, but we may not necessarily expect it to deal with regret. We may not necessarily expect it to deal with our past, but in an incredibly real and tangible way offers us hope. In an incredibly real, tangible way, it offers us freedom from every single one of our regrets and promises in a very real way that God's favor still abounds. So we're going to be starting off in the book of Isaiah. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and jump into Isaiah. Before we dig in, as you're kind of getting there, uh, I want to kind of give you just a little bit of a background on what we're stepping into in regards to the people of Israel. See, what we kind of see is that Isaiah, if you know anything about it, maybe you don't, but Isaiah can kind of be like broken in in half almost. It can be kind of divided into two different parts. The first part of Isaiah kind of talks about this ill fate that awaits the people of Israel because of their sin. It talks about the ill fate awaiting the people of Israel as a result of their choices against God. But then, then we kind of fast forward a couple chapters and we get into the second part of Isaiah. And that part is what we're going to spend a lot of time in today. But that part shows us the promise. That part shows us the incredible promise and reminds us about our restoration and also the restoration for the people of Israel. And we're going to be in Isaiah 58. And Isaiah 58 in particular is actually like this pivotal moment of change for the entire book of Isaiah. See, what's cool is that God has this like very specific message for the people of Israel. But what's even cooler is that not only is this a message for Israel, this is a message for you. This is a message for me. And this message was written to the people of Israel after they're finally going back to their land. They had been in exile for 70 years. 70 years they had been cast out of their homeland. They were taken prisoner by the Babylonians. Now, kind of generally speaking, a very broad blanket statement is generally when we find in Scripture that Israel is being taken over and at the mercy of enemy nations, what seems to happen quite a bit. When we see that, it was because of their sin. It was because of their missteps against God Almighty. And because they wouldn't repent, because they wouldn't change their behavior, God allowed for a time when they were quote-unquote punished in a way. Consequences, to put it lightly. But here in Isaiah, we actually see that Israel is finally on their way home. They were on their way back. They were being restored. They were returning to their land. But, and guys, it's a huge but, the land that they were returning to wasn't going to be how they remembered it. The land that they're returning to wasn't going to be how they left it. See, their temple had been demolished. Their place of worship leveled. 
Their land had been destroyed. But still, God called them back. So, to these people who are coming back home, this is what God has to say to them. Isaiah 58, 8 through 9, it says this. Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here am I. Such promise. Such encouragement. I mean, so much hope, so much expectation of what the future can hold. I mean, this is so much of a promise that God's favor is undenied. But then we have to remember something. We have to remember exactly what situation they found themselves in. I mean, yeah, all of that verse, that sounds like a great deal. But then we have to remember the circumstances that Israel was returning to. Yeah, like they were coming back home. Coming back home is great. But there wasn't much left of their home. I mean, their temple was leveled, gone, remnants. Their land was ravaged. Their families had been ripped apart. All around them was reminders of their pain. Even more than that, even more than just a reminder of their pain, it was a reminder about the sin that led to their pain. I mean, everywhere they looked, put yourself in this situation, every single place that they looked, there must have been some sense of regret. Regret for the mistakes and the poor choices that they made that got them to the place where they were at. I mean, you have to know that Israel, these were the people of God, God's chosen people. Questions had to be looming. I mean, would they ever taste his favor after what they had done? Would they ever be able to experience the favor of God after the pain and the torment that they put themselves through? Would they ever be able to hear and taste and feel his favor after they had completely disregarded God. I mean, yeah, they had their land back. Yeah, they had returned home, but every single place that they looked, everywhere, I mean everywhere, they couldn't escape their past. See, what's so cool about this is that God knew. God knew. He knew exactly what they were returning to. You see, God knew all too well that with their homecoming, there was also this very raw, very fresh reminder of their hurt. A fresh reminder of their pain and the choices made that got them to this place. God knew. He knew. And he knew it well. Which is why he tells them this. Let's read this together. That same verse that we just read. Your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you. Your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you. See, what's so cool is that God was so intent. He was sold on the fact on telling his people, his people, 
that there was no use at all for them to stay stuck in their past. He says healing is coming. He's pleading with them. He's promising them righteousness, meaning a new start, a fresh beginning. That's what's going to go before you. And this was big. I mean, to a people like this, this was incredible news. This offered so much promise to a group of people who could really use some promise. But I think what's so hard about that is that this is kind of where we get caught up. This is where people like you and people like me kind of get caught up a little bit. See, we know that as beautiful as the promise of the future can be, we know that as bright and as incredible as the promise can be, sometimes the reminders of the past can distract us from what's coming. See, the reminders of the past can distract us from noticing God's opportunities in the midst of our preparation. You see, the reminders of our sin, the reminders of our past, the reminders of our mistakes can cause us to stop dead in our tracks, to freeze in our preparation, to almost become paralyzed as we start to think that as bright of a future as may be in front of us, whatever it is, that can't erase our past. And sometimes erasing our past is what we want most. See, I have a little girl. Any, where are the parents at in here? Right on. I have a little girl. Her name is Tenley. And she is almost 11 months old. Here she is right up here. Yeah. Praise God, she looks like her mother because like this on that body would like a little gremlin, like scary, right? But that little girl and her mom like show me like God's favor every single day, like completely undeserved. Gentlemen, I know you, you feel me in that one, right? But Tenley has this like huge, weird, like fascination with our fireplace. I always tell the students uh, that like she's in like the beginning stages of becoming an arsonist. Um, so I have to warn Hopetown during the noon service, like, Watch out, right? Like, keep her on your toes, right? Because she's coming. Um, and so, but, but this one morning, me and Tanley were hanging out in the living room, and um, basically, we were just sitting there playing. And for whatever reason, I, this happens a lot, I just forgot to put her stroller away. And so her stroller was sitting out, we were not where we normally put it. And um, so we always, my wife calls her stroller like the motorhome because it's like gigantic. You know, it's just like huge, huge. And so like you just can't miss it, like it's just there. And so it was just sitting out and I saw Tenley just all of a sudden like scurry her little body over to the stroller. And she pulls herself up to a standing position and she was trying like with all of her might, you could just see like the determination in her eyes. She was just with all of her might trying to play with the stroller and the fireplace. So she knew that she had, I don't know if I'm like burn it down or what, right? Like she just wanted to drag that stroller to play with both of them at once. Now, before you call CPS, rest assured, we do not allow her to play with the fireplace. So I mean, let's just clear the air right there. Let's just get that out there, right? But during this process, as I'm watching her kind of do her thing, I grab a book and I just kind of slide it about five feet in front of her. And she was like locked in on this book. Like homegirl loves books. Like I don't care what you give her. If you give her a book, like she's good to go. Like period, all, all good. And so she had now shifted her attention to coupling this book about five feet in front of her and the stroller that she's holding on to. 
And so you could just see it almost click in her eyes that this wasn't going to work. Like she's not going anywhere. And so she, she kind of started to, to understand what needs to happen. And as she was holding on to the top of the stroller, you guys know how this is. She started to reach down and kind of brace herself on the ground, but she couldn't reach. So she kind of stood there and had kind of tried to figure out what was going on and, and twisted her body a little bit and tried to do like a little gymnast backflip type thing and just try to figure out a way that she could get to the ground safely. And so as she realized, like, all right, like, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to get down from here. Uh, like, like, I just walked over to her. And as I saw, like, the frustration in her eyes, she started to almost voice that frustration. You could see that she was just flustered and really upset. And, and I just walked over to her and I simply pried her hands off of the stroller and she sat down and she kind of looked at me and kind of like, like kind of collected herself again and crawled over to the book, completely leaving the stroller behind, forgot about it, didn't touch it the rest of the day. See, I think, I think that sometimes you and I, we try to drag around some heavy stuff and it keeps us from making any sort of traction on where we really want to go. It keeps us from making any sort of traction on the things that we really, really, really want to be a part of. We hold on so tightly to these regrets, so tightly to these heavy burdens that we're not able to go anywhere. And so we freeze. We freeze while God is trying to drop these divine opportunities in our path but we hold on so tightly to what's behind us that we can't get to what's ahead. See, what's cool is that God has something to say to that. What's incredible is that God has something to say to that too. Listen to how he continues in that same verse in Isaiah. It says this, then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Some of you guys kind of see that rear guard thing, and that might not translate to a lot of us. But if you have, if you know much about the military, it's actually a military term. And it's a lot like it sounds. It's basically something that's put into place for protection. It's something that's put into, into place for protection, not as a military moves towards something, but it's put into place for protection as the military moves away from something. See, what anyone in the military knows, what anyone in this room knows, is that you and I, we're vulnerable. We're vulnerable. And we're not only vulnerable from the front as we move forward, we're vulnerable from behind as we leave where we were. See, God knew that something was necessary to protect Israel from where they had been. God knew that something was necessary to protect them from where they were, from what had gotten them so messed up and in this trouble to begin with. And see, to a group of people who are hurting, to a group of people who are lost and overwhelmed, who are so hopeful for what's to come, but completely ashamed of what has been, they needed more than just guidance and hope for their future. 
They needed more than just a promise for their future. To a people who are lost, to people who are overwhelmed, they need something more. They needed hope for their past. See, what's so crazy is that sometimes we need to hope. We need hope for our past to lead us into God's divine opportunities and the hope that brings his favor. We need a rear guard to protect us from ourselves. To remind us that God's favor in our lives is not denied. God's favor is undenied. And maybe you know the feeling. Maybe you're sitting here and I'm just like totally like on your toes right now. You know all too well the feeling and what it feels like to be told about the promise that awaits you. About God's favor that's undenied for you. But chances are you also know all too well what it feels like to see the fallout from your past mistakes every single place that you turn. I mean, you know that you're forgiven. You sing about it. We read about it. I mean, we know that we're forgiven. We know that that God has removed our sins from us. But sometimes we can't seem to forgive ourselves. Sometimes we can't seem to move forward. We can't seem to loosen our grip on those heavy burdens. And if this is how you feel, if this is where you're at this morning, then maybe, maybe, just maybe, we need to believe that we have a God, that we serve a God who wants to pour out his favor all over you. All over you. He wants to be your rear guard as you move towards his divine opportunities and away from whatever regret that you're trying to drag around. See, sometimes our greatest enemy is ourselves. Sometimes our greatest enemy is ourselves. Our greatest hindrance is our own belief or even our lack of belief into who we can be, into what God is willing to give us because we can't seem to get over what we've done. We hold on to it. Well, for you, for me, when those thoughts start to flood in, God says that righteousness, a new and God-given righteousness will go before you. And coming from behind is the glory of God himself as your rear guard. Glory. And that's a word that we definitely have to unpack. So if you have your Bibles, like I said, jump back into Exodus. We're going to go backwards. Second book of the entire Bible, Exodus 33. One of the more famous people in the Old Testament has this like face-to-face encounter with God. Moses, I love me some Moses, but Moses, after God called him to be a leader of his people, Moses asked God to show him his glory, right? Bold. That's what I'm saying. Bold. But in Exodus 33, 22, and 23, listen to how God responds to Moses's ask to show him his glory. Take a look at this. I will hide you in the crevice of a rock and I will cover you with my hand because my glory is so great. My glory is so overwhelming. My glory is so compelling 
that you cannot see it and live. Elephant in the room, can we just acknowledge it? If I'm Moses, I'm taking a few steps back right now. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Didn't know I was getting into that, right? Didn't realize like that whole glory thing, like me asking you that. I, I kind of want to keep the skin on my face. Like, I, not sure I was, I was signing up for that, right? But that's exactly what happened. Not the face thing, right? His face stayed intact. But that's exactly what happened. Moses gets this glimpse of God's glory. I mean, put yourself in that situation. Picture that in your mind. I know you probably can't, but just try. It's that glory. It's that glory that's so compelling, that's so overwhelming, that's so great. It's that glory that God says is going to go behind us to protect us. It's that glory that God says will go behind us to guard us and to defend us. It's that glory that's so overwhelming that's keeping us from our past. See, God knows. God knows that you and I have this tendency to to just look behind us. We have this tendency to hear about his favor, to hear about this bright hope and this bright future, but to wonder about where we've been and if we can really be a candidate because the whispers start to happen. So God says this, God says, I get it. I'll stay behind you. I get it. I'll stay behind you where you're most vulnerable. I'll stay behind you where you are most weak, where you're most likely to lose perspective, where you're most likely to lose hope and to lose sight of my divine opportunities. God says, I'll stick back there. You go ahead. See what's so incredible is that have we ever considered Have we really ever considered the fact that the only thing keeping us in the past is us? The only thing keeping you in the past is you. The only thing keeping me in the past is me. Have we ever realized that for those of us who have confessed, for those of us who have repented, have properly prepared, that there is absolutely nothing keeping you from the favor of God except yourself? See, what gives you the audacity to think that God's promise to not hold something against you, God's promise that can't be contained, what gives us the audacity to think that that could never or should never encompass our greatest regret? Why do we think that? Church, here's what we have to understand, is that God has gone to great measures to make sure that your mistakes, my mistakes, can and will be forgiven and removed from you. So why do we keep trying to remove and to undo what he's already accomplished? Allow his words, allow his promise to comfort and propel you forward as you continue to prepare for his divine favor. See, what's crazy is that our tomorrows can shine a whole lot brighter once we learn to let go of our yesterdays. So you've done some things that you'd like to forget. You've asked for forgiveness. You've said that you're sorry. You've taken the steps to properly prepare, but you just can't seem to move on. You just can't seem to move past it. 
It's for times like those, for lies like those that God offers his glory as your rear guard. Because you can keep moving forward because not only has God gone in front of you, but God has gone behind you. That's the truth. I mean, yeah, God has your tomorrow and that's amazing news. But God also has your yesterdays. You are protected by his love. You are still a candidate for his favor. Favor has not been denied for you because of your past. You no longer have to be defined by what went before. And if you happen on your journey along, if you happen to glance behind you, you won't catch a glimpse of your regret. You'll catch a glimpse of the glory of God who says, you keep going. Don't worry about this. You keep going. We serve a God who is for us. We serve a God who has gone before as well as after. A God who is higher than any other. And as you prepare yourself properly, God wants to pour out his divine favor on you. Not as a church, not as a group, but as an individual. I mean, we have the God of the universe who is greater. We have him as our rear guard. Think of the possibilities. What do we need to let go of? What do you need to let go of? What do we have to lose sight of? As we serve a God who is higher than any other. Heavenly Father, Thank you for truth. God, and sometimes it's so easy to lose sight of this promise that you have given us. Of this promise that we hold on to so tightly, God, but sometimes it is overshadows by the things that we regret. God, I ask for, for help in this for myself. For those of us who have these things in our lives that we can't seem to move forward, God, that we would remember and recognize and understand that you are greater, that you are our rear guard, and you've taken care of it. God, you hold our yesterdays. And I praise you for holding our tomorrows. It's in your holy name that we pray. Everybody said, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. If you would like to financially support the movement of New Hope, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the bottom of our homepage. We hope you will join us next week. God bless and thank you for being part of our church family.